Hello, I'm Party Parslow, and this is episode 15 of Party in China. The long promised sexy episode. Yes, I'm about to share with you everything I know about sex in Sichuan. But first, cast your mind back to the very beginning of our Odyssey. Do you remember that I swore to tell the truth, but not the whole truth, and not nothing but the truth? Well, that particularly applies to this episode, as mostly what I'll be sharing with you is stuff that I was told, not stuff that I did. Mostly. Let's start with a sweeping generalization. Apart from the few modernized metropole, metropolises, metropolis, apart from the few big cities like Shanghai and Beijing, where Western values are far more common, Chinese society seems to view women as either wives, whores, or virgins, like we did in Victorian times, and still do on Mad Men. Most single women I spoke to insisted they would never have sex before marriage. And yes, they were probably just making sure I understood that they would never have sex with me before marriage. But after they got to know me, and after a few shared gumbays, they'd admit that they might have sex if they really loved the guy or if they were going to marry him soon anyway. They'd give him one. Note that they didn't assume that they would love the man they'd marry. Love and marriage are two separate things. Not that marriages are arranged, parents don't choose the spouse, but they must approve the choice based on family, career, finances, and most importantly, the ability of the new couple to keep said parents comfortable in their old age. In effect, relations decide on a partnership. Partners don't decide on a relationship. I was often told that husbands do what they like, while wives take care of the home, the kids, and their own careers, and was therefore advised that the easiest way for a foreign teacher to get laid was to focus on married women in their 30s, or in my case, 40s, who have experienced perfunctory baby-making sex with the husband, but have also heard about romantic, exciting lovemaking, and think that they'd like to give a mind-blowing orgasm a try sometimes. One foreigner, and by the way, they call foreigners big noses, so one, Dai Bizu, often drunkenly related the tale of a time when he'd mixed up his amorous appointments and two girlfriends arrived at his apartment simultaneously. They'd both brought groceries to keep his strength up and both carefully put the shopping bags down before attacking each other with fists and feet, tooth and claw. Eventually, one ran away, leaving clumps of hair and bags of groceries behind, and the victor immediately bonked him brainless, then cooked a lovely meal, and the incident was never spoken of again. Another Dai Bizu, a resident married to a beautiful, successful professional, nonetheless actively pursued other people's wives for brief flings. His rationale was that he had a Ferrari in his garage, but sometimes he liked to test drive a Lamborghini. I couldn't help but think of Tess driving his Ferrari. She was lovely. But couldn't conceive a believable reason to ask him for her phone number. Besides, she already had one dickhead in her life. Didn't need another. <laughs> Chinese women really want to be married before they turn 30. After that, cut off your officially an old maid and a barren failure. I met plenty of 27 and 28-year-olds hurriedly hunting for a husband and saying they were so sick of their virginity. 
One colleague, a really lovely young woman, who I still miss to this day, she politely explained to me that she'd considered having an affair with me because I was a nice man and so she could try sex with someone who would conveniently go away soon. But she just didn't have the time. She was already 28 and needed at least a year to find a husband before she hit the dreaded 30th. And no Chinese man would marry her if he knew she'd been with a foreigner. Now, I'm not sure if that's about the size of my um, equipment, whether he'd feel threatened or think maybe I broke her equipment. I do know that many times I'd be flirting with an initially responsive lady and catch her looking at how big my hands were, double-checking my huge feet, doing some mental math and then finding someone else to talk to. Naturally, as in every society, there are professional ladies of the night. You find them in what are called blue light districts, or so I'm told. In fact, one brothel-keen foreign teacher complained to me that the blue lights were often turned off as he approached late at night. The women didn't want his drunken custom. His friend later told me that it wasn't because he was white. The girls didn't like him because he always haggled over the price. I don't remember meeting any prostitutes in Sichuan, but I'm often very naive. Once I was speaking to a woman in a noisy bar, by which I mean gesticulating and yelling random Chinese words over the music, I leant on the bar with my hand open and up. Uh, she leant forward and placed her left breast in my palm. While I was processing this surprising but pleasing turn of events, a man came up behind her, yelled even louder than me, grabbed her by the shoulders, grabbed a handbag and hustled her out the door. People often promised that I'd meet loads of what they called amateurs in bars. Women who would want to swap what was in their pants for what was in my pants pocket. Saying something like, We can have fun tonight if you take me clothes shopping tomorrow. No woman ever said that to me. But I wouldn't have gone for it anyway. I hate clothes shopping, even more than I love sex. Other people advised me to find a brothel rather than a hotel when I travelled to other cities, because after the act, the woman leaves and you get to stay in the room for the rest of the night. So the prostitute doesn't cost much more than the hotel room would have anyway. It's not room and board, it's room and broad. Thank you. I don't know if there are mobile brothels in the West or if there are Chinese innovation. But when night fell, a minivan full of young ladies, driven by an older woman, would regularly set up knocking shop not far from my flat, right under the Chengdu Beijing motorway. Men parked, entered the minivan, came out leading a girl by the hand, paid the driver slash madam slash pimp, and drove off. Embarrassing inquiries established that it was 100 yuan, about $17, for an hour or 300, 50 bucks, for the whole night. There were some cold and lonely evenings when I wondered if I should follow Simon and Garfunkel's advice and declare there were times when I was so lonesome I'd take some comfort there. But I would have had to have been simultaneously horny enough to shag a stranger, drunk enough to shag a hooker, and sober enough to shag anybody at all. It's a delicate balance which I've never managed to achieve. Flower bars may be a uniquely Sichuanese phenomenon because I never saw them anywhere else. Attractive, um, 
well, hostesses, I suppose, wearing numbers so you don't have to know their names, parade around the bar, sometimes taking to the small stage to sing a song, do a dance, or pose provocatively. Men then bid for flowers, fake plastic flowers appropriately, and whoever buys the most flowers wins that woman's company for the rest of the evening. In the bar. Although I heard that further private arrangements could be made. But not by me, because they couldn't speak English. And late at night, my Chinese was diminished to whatever I'd memorised that afternoon. Whoa, sure, how dare you, Ren? I am from Australia. Ni hao piao liang. You are beautiful. Whoa, si huan xiang jiao. I like bananas. In fact, one flower girl did have some English, uh, but not in her brain, on her body. She was a stunner. Very tall, long black hair down past her bum, tight black midriff top and the hottest of hot pants. She'd sashayed up and sat in my lap. Okay. Then realised I couldn't speak Chinese, so slipped off my lap and onto her back on the couch. Spread her legs wide, put one foot on the sofa back behind my shoulder. Okay. And the other across my knees. And then she showed me her tattoo, which started crotch high on her thigh and went all the way down to her knee. In beautiful cursive handwriting, it declared, I don't know where I'm going, but I hope I get there soon. I won't say where I hoped I'd be going, but soon another customer came up to her with his arms crammed full of plastic flowers, and she gave him a smile hello and me a nod goodbye. There was one very weird drunken night when a foreign friend of a foreign friend was visiting Diang from Shanghai where he was studying Mandarin. Supposedly he'd come to study the fascinating Sichuanese dialect, Sichuanhua, but seemed more impressed by the fascinating Sichuanese women. I'd been told about a place called Saba, in which customers pay to accompany working women into a pitch black room for a grope or a kiss or something more, and I'd simply refused to believe it was true. But our visitor expressed an interest in this sordid local custom, so we left Juanita's bar, copying her disapproving scowl for our disloyalty, and went to the centre of town, walked down a ramp which was beneath a place that called itself a museum but was really a jewellery shop. At the bottom of the ramp, we proceeded through fire escape corridors to an underground bar, which was huge, perhaps a converted cinema, with a few dozen tables, one long bar against the back wall and another kidney-shaped bar in the centre. Lovely-looking ladies lounged around the centre bar wearing evening dresses and displaying, joy of joys, cleavage, or what passes for cleavage in Western China. It was whispered into my still unbelieving ear that you simply chose a woman and escorted her behind a green curtain for pitch black pornographic behaviour, with payment depending on the activity. If both agreed to, as we used to say in high school, go all the way, there was a hotel next door, handily reached through the fire escape corridors without being seen on the street. Still playing Doubting Thomas, I went and peeked behind the green curtain. 
but saw nothing except inky blackness, although there were some suspicious grunts, giggles, and wet smacking noises. While I bought a round of warm, crappy beers, our visitor chose a young woman in a very pretty sky-blue evening gown and led her into the darkroom. The rest of us drank and waited for his report, and waited, and waited some more. Eventually, the lights came on. It was closing time. Another peek behind the green curtain revealed a large white room, awash with light and completely empty. We were discussing whether we could abandon the visitor to whatever he'd gotten himself into when he showed up and asked for money, explaining that after a brief kiss and a cuddle, she'd invited him to a back room for a conversation, which continued for the hour or more we'd been waiting. He'd just discovered the conversation was a lot more expensive than copulation, had given her all his cash already and needed a few hundred more to finalise the transaction. Shit. That's about it for our episode about sex in Sichuan. As you've probably noticed, for me, China was like a lesbian bar. Lovely women everywhere and none with the slightest interest in me. Actually, that simile works for any bar. No lesbians necessary. But despite all those lovely women, I was only really chasing the loveliest and most interesting one, Juanita. Late one night, after her husband was well out of the picture, we were alone in her bar and she told me that she needed a boyfriend, but that all the men she knew were too small and she liked them big. Delighted, I drew myself up to my full size, expanded my chest and flexed my biceps, demonstrating my undeniable bigness. She looked at me and said, I like a big, not fat. Thank you for listening. In our next episode, I travel to one of my favourite places. Well, it used to be one of my favourite places before this trip and everything going horribly, horribly wrong. As you'll hear next time on Party in Hong Kong. You've been listening to Party in China. For more, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. <laughs>